Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hello. Welcome to episode 81 of the Money Love Podcast. Y'all, it is the last week in the month of April. So it is time to do another YNAB giveaway. And it really feels like we just did one, but it just goes to show you how fast time is flying and how quickly 2022 is going by. So just as a reminder, every single month this year, I am giving away a free annual subscription of YNAB. You need a budget. It's the budgeting tool and software that I use and I am such a huge fan of. And Every month in the year of 2022, one of you is going to get a free annual subscription to the software, which is about $100 value. And how you enter that giveaway is by leaving a review of the podcast on iTunes. So I'm going to announce the April winner. The April winner is Suwilki12, S-E-W-I-L-K-I-1-2, 12. I don't really think I said that right, but if that is your Instagram handle, you are the winner. But her review says, Paige has changed my life. Paige breaks down so much of the why behind spending and money habits. She brings a life coach mindset that helps with so much more than just money, relationships, self-improvement, etc. I can guarantee that you will learn something new from every episode, whether it be psychology or money. Love it. Cannot get enough. So thank you for your kind five-star review. It means so much to me. And y'all, Just as a reminder, if you would like the opportunity to be entered into this giveaway so that you could win a free year of YNAB, all you have to do is go to the podcast on iTunes, leave a five-star review. You do have to write something so that I can see it and it pops up so that I can enter you into the giveaway. And when you leave your review, just make sure that you leave it with your Instagram handle. So again, if you win, I can easily find you. That is the April winner, and at the end of May, in about another month, we will do the May winner, and I will announce that. Okay, let's jump in to what we're going to be talking about today, which is buyer's remorse. This is a really interesting topic, and it's one that I've actually been hearing a lot about recently, coaching my students and clients within Overcoming Overspending. It's something that keeps coming up over and over. I hear you guys talking about it, asking questions about it on our coaching calls. And really what I'm starting to realize is that so many of us have incorrect assumptions about what buyer's remorse is and what causes it. And so today I'm actually going to give you my take on what buyer's remorse is, what really causes it versus what we think causes it. And also, I'm going to give you some tips on how we can beat it or drastically reduce it moving forward so that it's not something that has to be a part of your spending experience. So let's start off talking about what buyer's remorse is, all right? So buyer's remorse is a sense of guilt or regret after making a purchase. I really think that all of us at some point or another have experienced buyer's remorse about a purchase that we've made. And you can have buyer's remorse about anything, y'all, big or small. You can have buyer's remorse about larger, more substantial purchases that you've made, like a house, a car, a piece of workout equipment, a piece of furniture. Or you can have buyer's remorse over smaller, everyday purchases, like 
groceries, like a piece of clothing, like a $15 gadget that you bought on Amazon. The really interesting thing to think about here is that you can have buyer's remorse about any purchase. And really, when we start to look at it, there's no consistent formula or no consistent characteristic or price or certain usage that you have to get out of something that will determine whether or not you will have buyer's remorse. Again, it's so different person to person. And when we make that realization, what becomes really clear, but also really interesting to notice, is that buyer's remorse doesn't actually come from the item, the service, or the experience that you've purchased. Buyer's remorse is an inside job because you actually are the creator of the buyer's remorse that you experience around a particular purchase. So unlike how we typically think about buyer's remorse, buyer's remorse does not come from what you bought. Buyer's remorse is created from your thoughts about what you've bought. So let me just break this down a little bit further. And let's think about buyer's remorse in terms of our model, right? Our CTFAR. So with this concept, the first thing to think about, the easiest way to think about this is the feeling that you feel when you have buyer's remorse, which is remorse, right? Remorse is a feeling. It would go into the F line of our model. The purchase that you make, what you bought, what the factual details are surrounding that purchase, what you bought, when you bought it, where you bought it from, how much you paid for it, how much use you got out of it. All of those things are factual circumstances surrounding your purchase that would go in the C line of the model, the circumstance line of the model. And like I said, so many of us think that when we experience buyer's remorse, that the remorse, the guilt, the regret, is coming from the item that we bought. Like the purchase actually has the power to create those emotions within us. But there is a very important step in between the circumstances of your purchase and the remorse that you feel about your purchase, which are the thoughts and beliefs that you are having about the purchase. <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? And so it's so important that we take a second to recognize that it's the thoughts and beliefs creating the buyer's remorse. It's not actually what you bought. It's not what you paid. It's not how much use you got out of something that's causing the remorse. Again, all of those things that I just said, those are just the facts, the circumstances surrounding the purchase. But like I tell you guys all the time, you are in control over the thoughts and the perspective that you are going to choose around the circumstances of your life, of your money, and of your purchases. So the first thing I want you to realize about any time that you've had buyer's remorse in the past or any time you're going to have it in the future, you are the only one that is creating the buyer's remorse from the way that you are thinking about your purchase. It is not coming from the item like so many of us think that it does. Buyer's remorse doesn't come from what you bought. It comes from your thoughts about what you bought. And we know this to be true, right? Because with any item... You will have a ton of people that all use that same item. So if it was true that the item was what was causing the buyer's remorse, then anyone who bought a particular item, every single person would experience buyer's remorse. If it was true that the buyer's remorse was really coming from the item or the object. But we know that's not true, right? Like just go on Amazon 
and spend five minutes reading a review of a product and you will see a range of reviews. And y'all, when somebody writes a review of a product, all they're writing are their thoughts about the product. (laughs) That's what a review is. When somebody leaves a five-star review and they say, I love this thing. It's the best purchase ever. That is a thought. That is their thought about the purchase. When somebody leaves a one-star review and says, hate this thing, wouldn't recommend it, such a waste of money. Those are also just somebody's thoughts. But it's the same product, right? So you can see that our thoughts, based on the experiences that we have with the things that we buy, will create the remorse or not, which is so interesting to think about, right? So it's like, okay, our thoughts create our emotions. We know this. So our thoughts about our purchases will determine how we feel about our purchases. But let's just explore this a bit more in detail. What I see with so many of you guys and what I experience myself too is that typically when we have buyer's remorse, again, created by our thinking, but when we have buyer's remorse, the buyer's remorse typically comes from missed expectations surrounding the purchase. So before making the purchase, we had certain ideas or certain expectations of what the purchase was going to be like, what the product was going to do for us, how much use we would get out of it, the benefit it would give to us, how we would feel once we had it, how we would behave in the purchasing exchange. So we go into each purchase with certain expectations, but then when those expectations aren't met, when reality doesn't align with those expectations, those are the instances where we tend to start having thoughts like, I shouldn't have bought this. This was a waste of money. I don't use this as much as I thought that I would. And again, y'all, this can be anything from a $2,500 Peloton bike to a $4 bag of lettuce that you got at the grocery store that you were going to make a salad with that you never ended up using before it expired, (laughs) right? It could be for anything. I will say this, one little tangent I want to offer. If you haven't listened to this episode, not this episode, a past episode, or it's been a while since you have. I really want to encourage you to go listen to episode 36 of the podcast, which is an episode titled Decision Debt. Either go listen to it if you haven't yet, or if it's been a while, re-listen to it. It's one of my most highly downloaded episodes, and it's one of the episodes that you guys come to me and you're like, I almost didn't listen to this episode, but I'm so glad it did because it changed my life. Because in that episode, we talk about a really important concept of decision-making. And with each purchase that you make, there is the purchase, and then there's your thoughts about the purchase. There's the transaction, and then there is your decision that you will make whether or not it was a good purchase or not. What makes something a good decision is your decision that it was a good decision. (laughs) Isn't that wild? So again, Another thing that we typically don't think about correctly in terms of how it actually works, we think that when we're evaluating a decision or evaluating a purchase, that there is a right choice and a wrong choice. And it's a coin toss. And we better make the right choice and the right decision because if we don't, if we make the wrong call or we choose the wrong path, then we're going to be doomed. We think there's one decision that's inherently right and one decision that's inherently wrong. And again, it's just Russian roulette if we're actually going to pick the right thing. But again, it's not the path or the choice that is inherently right or wrong. 
It's your thoughts about the decision that you make that makes it right or wrong. It's your decision about the decision that determines whether or not you make the right choice. And that will create the emotional experience that you have around the choice or the decision or the purchase that you've made. So again, that's a bit of a tangent, but it is such a life-changing concept because we can have so much anxiety and tension around our purchases and around our decisions. Should I buy this? Should I not? Did I make the right choice? Did I not make the right choice? We act like it's totally up to chance of whether or not we're making the right choice when the reality is it's 100% within our control. And when you realize that, you can approach your purchasing choices and your decisions with so much more calmness and clarity because you can do what I do and just decide ahead of time that it's going to be a good decision. So like I said, bit of a tangent, but it was appropriate to circle back to that concept here because it's such a life-changing concept for me and my decision-making ability all around things big and small. So go back, listen to that episode after this one, episode 36. It's called Decision Debt. All right, moving on. (laughs) Let's talk about this part of buyer's remorse a little more. So again, buyer's remorse comes from our thoughts about our purchases, and those thoughts typically stem from a gap between our expectations and reality and how closely or how far apart those things are. Now, you get to decide whether something was a good purchase or a bad purchase. That is up to you and within your control based on the thoughts that you're going to think. But it was interesting when I looked up the definition of remorse, and it said that remorse is a strong sense of regret or guilt. And that really got me thinking about the difference between these two emotions, between regret and guilt. They're a little different in my mind. And then I started thinking about the missed expectations around our purchasing decisions and purchasing behaviors and really the difference between those two. So I want to break down both. Let's start with regret. I think that when it comes to our purchases, the first type of missed expectations are the missed expectations and the thoughts that we have around what we bought, all right? So around the item, the service, the experience that was purchased. So what this looks like is we just don't like the product, okay? We bought it. We don't like how it feels. We don't like how it works. We don't like how it looks on us. We don't like how it performs. So you bought a new foundation. You don't like the way it looks on your skin. You buy a new piece of clothing. You really don't like the way it feels on you or it fits on you. Maybe it's super uncomfortable. You buy a new brand of food product at the grocery store. You give it a try and you just really don't like the way that it tastes. You buy a new gadget and you don't use it as much as you thought that you would. Or maybe it doesn't give you the benefit that you thought that it would. So again, your expectations were missed around the product or whatever it is that you bought. It just didn't live up to what you were hoping it would. And oftentimes it's really easy in those instances to, again, have the remorse because we're having thoughts like, well, this thing was a waste of money. Now, again, even with these instances, I just want to remind you that you are still in control of how you were going to think about and perceive situations like that. But 
we can have missed expectations about a product, and it's okay in those instances to not feel great about the purchase. I'm going to dive into that a little bit later. But then we can also have guilt around a purchase. This is the other side. Both regret and guilt play into remorse, but let's talk about the guilt side. I find that when we're having guilt about a purchase, it doesn't really come from missed expectations of the product or what you bought. If you're having buyer's remorse that feels more like guilt, I find that that is coming from missed expectations that we have around ourselves of how we know that we could be managing our money and could be spending our money, our potential, and what we actually decided to do in that moment. So I find with the guilt, it's more that we made a purchasing decision or a choice with our money that really didn't align with our highest self, with our future self, that I'm always telling you guys we need to be moving closer and closer towards. So these are the types of purchases where it's not really about what you bought, it's about how you behaved when you bought it. So you made the purchase impulsively. These are the purchases where we spend more money than we have, or we spend more money than we planned to spend. These are the purchases where we sacrifice what we want most in the future for our desires, our instant gratification, that false pleasure in the current moment. We have our highest self, our future self, our highest potential in mind. And when we make purchasing decisions with our money that don't align with that vision, with that expectations, purchases like that can also create buyer's remorse. But again, it feels more like guilt and shame around you and how you behaved rather than what you bought. Typically in those instances, we're going to have thoughts like, I shouldn't have bought that. I spent too much. That was irresponsible of me. I should have given that more thought and consideration. And those thoughts, again, they have nothing to do with what you bought. It has to do with how you behaved around the purchasing decision. And it's really important for us to differentiate between those two different types of buyer's remorse, between regret around what you bought and guilt around how you behaved. Because how we will approach dealing with each of these is going to be different. So if you notice that you're feeling buyer's remorse around something, the first thing I want you to really figure out is which type of remorse am I feeling? And you can identify that by asking and answering the question, okay, is this buyer's remorse coming from a missed expectation with the item that I bought? Or is the buyer's remorse coming from my behavior surrounding the purchase? Those are two very different things. So in terms of how we can beat buyer's remorse, let's talk about the first one. How we can beat the regret we feel about the things that we buy when they just don't live up to expectations. In this category, I just want to tell you first and foremost that it's okay to have buyer's remorse about purchases that you've made where expectations fall short because the truth is you're not going to nail it 100% of the time. You're going to try new things. You're going to try new brands, try new items. You're going to go to new places, try different services, try different foods. And the reality is you're just not going to like all of it. It's not all going to meet your expectations. Of course it's not, right? With products, it's kind of just like you like what you like, you don't like what you don't like, 
And even though it's important for us to always remember, again, in these situations, we are still in control of our thoughts surrounding a purchase, even if it's something that we don't like, that doesn't mean we have to just pretend our way out of the situation or to pretend something was an enjoyable experience when it clearly wasn't, all right? That's not the point of thought work. The point of thought work isn't to positively think your way out of every situation and just to pretend your way out of feeling negative emotion. That's not the point at all. But the point of thought work is to bring attention and awareness to your thoughts, to your beliefs, to your opinions about your circumstances and your external experiences so that you can use that information in the present to inform your path moving forward. And that's the most important thing here. So in this first category, when you feel regret around a purchase, and it's the buyer's remorse that has to do with the product, what you bought, just realize that yes, of course, the remorse is still coming from your thinking, but it's okay. It's okay not to like or love everything you buy. Again, it's not realistic. You're not going to nail it every time. And in this category, the main thing I want you to be focused on and committed to working forward is paying attention to this and using this information to guide your decisions moving forward. So I feel like we kind of do a good job of this sometimes, and we kind of don't do a good job of it a lot of other times. I find if the experience was really, really bad, so let's say you tried a restaurant and the service was terrible and the food was awful, of course, you're probably not going to go back, right? If you tried a new brand of a product and you just absolutely hated everything about the product, it didn't feel right. It didn't smell good. It didn't taste good. It was uncomfortable. You probably won't make any more purchases from that brand. So oftentimes when the experience is bad enough, we will absolutely take that information and inform our future moving forward. But there's also a lot of times where we don't do a great job of this. And this typically has to do with the smaller things, the smaller items that we have unrealistic expectations that we continue to carry forward. And I will give you one very clear example of this, and it is food. You guys come to me all the time asking me for help. How can I stop overspending with food, either with my groceries or with my eating out budget? And one of my biggest pieces of advice to you is stop doing both. I see this with you guys so often. You guys will go into a week, you'll go to the grocery store, you'll buy a full week's worth of groceries, knowing full well that you're not going to eat all those groceries, knowing full well that you're not going to cook at home seven nights a week, knowing full well that you're probably going to be eating out half of your meals, and in a week, two weeks, half of the food that you just spent money on is going to go bad and you're going to end up tossing it out. So this is what I always say, like, stop doing both. Start being honest with yourself and honest about your expectations and just saying, look, for the past couple of weeks, for the past couple of months, this is the pattern that I'm following. And more than likely, this will be the pattern that I will continue to follow in the short-term future. So instead of pretending like this isn't going to happen, and instead of pretending like I'm going to eat every single meal at home this week, I'm just going to be honest and realistic about what's probably going to happen which is going to be that I'm going to eat at home half the time and I'm going to eat out half the time. And so I'm going to start buying half of the amount of groceries that I normally do 
so that at the end of every week, I'm not going through my fridge and throwing out half of this food. And then again, feeling that remorse about buying all this food and paying all this money for something that I didn't get to use or consume. So like I said, I know that sometimes when the experience is bad enough or negative enough, we absolutely use that information in the past to inform our future decisions when it's more blatant. But again, other times, there's so many other instances where we can get better about this moving forward. So if you're feeling buyer's remorse consistently about something and it has to do with the product, my biggest tip here is just take a look at that, evaluate it, and ask yourself, what adjustments can I make moving forward to create a different result? But then there's the other type of buyer's remorse, the guilt side, where the missed expectations that we have are more about us. It's more internally based than externally based. It's about us not acting in accordance with how we know we could be. This is where we can really put some measures in to, again, eliminate this type of buyer's remorse, which in my experience is a lot more painful and a lot more uncomfortable than the other type. Like it feels a lot better to be like, I just didn't like this product versus I didn't like myself and how I behaved in this situation. That's a lot more painful to deal with. But the good news is, is that this is the buyer's remorse that we can do much more about to beat. And listen, I'm going to tell you what these measures are quickly. I'm going to run through them quickly, but I just want you to know that this is not anything that you haven't heard if you've been a longtime listener of the podcast. This is why I went out and I created my fundamental rules and principles for becoming a good spender. Because when you follow these rules, you will eliminate the second type of buyer's remorse that causes the guilt. Now, I can't promise, again, that this is going to eliminate the other type that you feel about buying products because, again, sometimes products just aren't going to meet expectations. They're not going to perform the way you want them to. There's really nothing we can do about that, unfortunately. But like I said, the worst type is the type that you feel when you know you weren't in financial integrity with yourself. And that's the type that we can beat. So really what I want to direct you back to here is my principles of becoming a good spender. Another episode I want you to go listen to, I know I'm giving you a lot of past episodes to re-reference here, but go listen to episode 49. It's called Becoming a Good Spender. I will outline them quickly here, but if you are following my principles to become a good spender, which is planning your spending ahead of time, making your purchasing decisions from your prefrontal cortex, the human part of your brain that has your future best interest in mind, rather than your default caveman brain who is solely just out to seek instant gratification and false pleasure constantly, you'll put more thought and consideration into your purchases and your purchases won't be so impulsive. So when you can plan your spending ahead of time, whether that's you are planning it 24 hours in advance or you're planning it through a money map, a budget, a spending plan, either way, it's the same thing. When you're making those decisions ahead of time, the decisions that are going to align with your future self and help you get the present you closer to future you, those are the types of purchases where we tend not to feel a lot of buyer's remorse about, again, because we put thought, care, and consideration into those purchasing choices. The second thing is, I want you to have a priority for your money. Another big way that we create buyer's remorse for ourselves is when we spend a lot of money 
on items or things that really in the hierarchy of things take a lower priority, like your wants, so to speak. And then we don't have the money that we need to cover things that are more important up in the higher priorities, like your needs, like paying your debt obligations, like paying yourself first and funding your financial goals. So when you have a priority for your money, a hierarchy for your money, which I teach you how to do this in a couple of places. First, again, another past episode, episode 43. It's titled The Priority of Your Money. I also teach you this concept with an overcoming overspending. But when you have a priority for your money and you are following that priority, which means your money gets sent to the most important places first, and then it's kind of like a waterfall and it starts to kind of trickle down after that, you won't be putting yourself in a situation where your wants or the kind of nice-to-haves are taking priority over the need-to-haves. And again, when you have a priority for your money, it's the perfect container of you honoring your future self over your present self. And then the third and final main category here is, again, you always keeping the positive value exchange in mind that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. So this is you realizing that your money has value. The things that you exchange your money for also have value, but one of those two is more valuable. Either your money is more valuable or the item is more valuable. What determines the value of the item is you. If you're confused by this concept, again, go listen to the past episode from a couple of weeks ago, the one that is titled, Are You Winning or Losing? I explained this concept in detail for the entire episode. But when you are constantly looking at that value exchange when you're spending your money and you ensure that you are on the winning side of that value exchange, which means that with every purchase that you make, you are actually injecting value into your life. You are increasing the level of value in your life rather than decreasing and deflating the level of value in your life. When those are the types of purchases that you are making, you won't be experiencing buyer's remorse around those purchases. You're not going to feel regret or guilt or remorseful when you are on the winning side, when you are increasing the level of value in your life. It's just not going to happen. So if you can do these things, and if you can follow these principles that I teach you here and that I coach you and teach you with an overcoming overspending, you will be able to drastically reduce the buyer's remorse that you feel around your purchases. But here is really the bottom line that I want you guys to take away from this week. Buyer's remorse is an emotional experience that you have surrounding the purchases that you make. And ultimately, regardless of which type it is, buyer's remorse is always an inside job, meaning that it is always created from your thoughts and beliefs about the purchases that you've made. And regardless, we are always 100% in control of our thinking. And like I said, we don't always have to go to this think happy, go lucky, positive la-la land and have positive thoughts about things that we don't really like or about a product or an experience or a service that doesn't meet our expectations. No, that's not what I'm saying. But it is important to recognize and take ownership over the fact that our emotional experience around our money and around our purchases are always created by us from thoughts and beliefs that we have about the circumstances of our world. And that includes the purchases that we make. Again, you can have two different types of buyer's remorse. 
the type that feels more like disappointment and regret, that's more externally focused, and it's more rooted in the product falling short of expectations. And then there is the type that feels more like guilt or shame that is more internally focused because it's more focused on us as an individual falling short of our own expectations and potential that we know that we could be meeting, but we aren't meeting based on our choices, our decisions, our actions, and our behaviors. The first one, I have to say, I really don't think we're ever going to be able to get to a point where we completely eliminate it, but that's okay. It's okay to feel buyer's remorse because you didn't like a product or a service that didn't meet your expectations. It's going to happen. It's not something that we really need to fester in or spend a ton of time or energy trying to solve that problem, right? Like I said, all we can do here is take the information from the experience and use it to guide our purchasing decisions moving forward so that we can continue doing better. The second one, though, the more internally based buyer's remorse, we can absolutely do work there. And that is the side of the coin that we can put some serious measures in to beat and to overcome for good. Like I said, if you are following my principles of being a good spender and you are planning your spending ahead of time, if you have a priority for your money, if you are always looking at the value exchange and trying to be on the winning positive end of that, you will put yourself in a position to feel amazing about the purchases that you make moving forward. I know it's possible for all of us, and I would love to help you apply this work and to help you achieve this result in your life. So come join me in overcoming overspending. This is exactly what I teach you how to do. I teach you how to have a completely different emotional experience around your money, around your purchases, around your spending habits, based on the way that you think and you feel around money, I will help you with these principles that we talked about. I will help you create a priority for your money. I will help you plan your spending ahead of time. I will help you understand the value exchange and help you identify how you can actually be on the positive winning end of that. Y'all, so many students are having so many amazing success stories that are rolling in. And of course, students are saving money and their bank accounts are getting bigger. But the biggest thing that I'm hearing is just how much better they are feeling. And I always say there really is not a price that you can put on your emotional and mental well-being. And I'm seeing that happen for so many of our overcoming overspending students. And I want to invite you to join us. So jump in. You can go to overcomingoverspending.com to get all of the information on the program. I really hope that you join us. And also, like I said, don't forget to leave your review of the podcast on iTunes. That will get you entered into the YNAB giveaway so that you can be potentially the May winner or a winner in a future month in 2022. All right, you guys, this was a jam-packed week. I really hope that you guys enjoyed the episode. Y'all have a fantastic week. I love you so, so much, and I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in Overcoming Overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, the student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits 
that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. You have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.